here's the here's the wraparound spotted car. Oh yeah. On Sunday, some guy just I'm just some wandering guy that knew through the grid. ASM team. A guy is there in a Bugatti Chiron Sport. Yeah. What? Yeah. Like just a casual four million dollar car parked yeah. in the grass. Just at the track? In the yeah. paddock. What? At I the know. Track. What? I know. And I, I borrowed Jordan's scooter. in the track. Well, I, I borrowed Jordan's scooter to go for a ride and see if I could figure out where they towed the Corolla that had rolled over to. And I could not find that. But on my way back to our side of grid uh, or of the paddock, I saw this Bugatti and I came back over and I was like, hey, guys, there's a Bugatti over there. You want to go check it out? We were all like, uh, yeah. Yeah. What? Yeah. yeah. That's, that's bonkers. Yes. <laughs> Multi-million dollar car. Yeah. Just, just like, chilling in the wow. grass. Just parked, parked in the grass. Wow. Just hanging out with his friends. Hanging out with the ASM crew. Like, Good. Whatever. I mean, hey. Yeah. Somebody bought him, right? I mean. It was, and it's like the back half is black and the front half was a deep purple that like you couldn't tell it was purple till you were like right up on it and got it in the sunlight at the right angle but like oh mm. yeah good. so nice good good looking car i'm glad you guys had a good time yeah it was it was fun it was, it was very stressful it was a time yeah i i don't know i want to go back i really like that track it, it is very fun it is extremely fun and i it really like i felt like at the end of it, I was just starting to get it. Like, oftentimes, at least for me so far, my first weekend at a track like that, you get to like the last two sessions and you just start to think like, oh, oh, now I like now I remember each turn. I remember kind of where to break. I know I can push it harder here. And then the weekend's over. So, so, so let me let me ask you this then. How how do you? I, I was thinking about this earlier when you were talking about, uh, ooh, was it turn three, the blind one? Turn two. Two, turn two, two is, is, yeah, the yeah. real, like, blind over a crest. So when you get to a track for the first time, if you've signed up for a, uh, a, um, instructorless run group, what do you, like, how do you... You just drive about six tenths. Yeah. Take, for I, the first I, like five or six laps the the nice thing about this event um and and us deciding to run on friday was that the run groups were so small there were yeah. literally at times three to five cars on track in our group oh okay and i i had watched a lot of in-car video beforehand we did uh, yeah i did do that too the night before actually friday or thursday night when we got to the track um i i watched a video walkthrough turn by turn of the track just to jog my memory a bit it's still different turn two is much more pronounced elevation than what video shows it's very severe and like video doesn't necessarily show you when you're braking and and things like that it helps I'm sure it, it helps even just to know the track at all and see how tight and, turns are and stuff like and that. And going but. out in a run group where, like, I mean, not most of the people there are not super experienced at that track because it's grid life. They're from the Midwest. A lot of those guys were not. It was either their first or second time there. Um, so just following those guys around and kind of 
everyone's taking things at a similar pace and you can kind of see what the guys in front of you are doing. Yeah. Uh, for me, it's very much like uh, how I drive any out lap, like first lap out when your tires are cold and your brakes are cold and like, you know, you just don't push it at all. And so I just drove pretty much the first session like that. Like it was all out laps, like just keep the car very composed, controlled, start to take these turns, look at, you know, where, where the lines might be and start to figure it out. But yeah, it, it, this was my first time without an instructor at any event. Um, well, no, that's not true. When I ran with the Euro Classics Porsche um, Club group day at VIR, Eric Madsen went as my kind of personal instructor for the day, um, but was having uh, motion sickness issues and sat out for several of the sessions. So I did run by myself a few, um, but I still had some pointers and I had also ridden along at VIR many times so I knew the turns there um, this is the first time I've just showed up at a brand new track with no instructor no help and um, yeah it's, you just kind of don't try Figured to drive out. it full bore at all until you start to remember what turns coming next or figure out how the car likes to take a certain turn and, and then just and gradually I, walking the track Saturday night was I cannot even yeah. articulate how helpful that, that was that seems like but I think it was, I found it was more helpful having driven it a oh, handful oh, of sessions. Absolutely. So like, I wouldn't have, I don't think I would have gathered the same amount if we had shown up, walked the track. For sure. And then tried to drive it. Like, I still don't think I would have learned much. It I actually agree. was kind of perfect that we like got a handful of times to like orient ourselves and start to understand the track a little bit. And then went out and walked it and just, then we were like, I know what's coming. And now I see why this works, why this doesn't work, why I'm turning in here. Um, yeah, that was really, really cool. Yeah. I, I would love to be able to do a similar thing at Summit or BIR or even Dominion. I, think I have Dominion ridden my electric scooter around Summit. Uh, just because they let us at the fall finale last year, but um, not with the purpose of actually like paying attention. I just was out for a joy ride, and I, now I kind of wish I could go back and and do that, like actually take it slower and and look at the track more. Yeah, it seems like it would be a lot of fun. Yeah, it is. Um, yeah, come to VIR in October and cook us breakfast. Corey. Yeah. It'll be a good time. Buy me a grill. <laughs> okay. I got my little Coleman <laughs> grill. Send me that link, my boy, to your wedding registry. Um, I'll throw a couple dollars on it. Especially if I know I'm getting food off of it later. Yeah, yeah I, I love feeding people. It's like one of my favorite things to do. Uh, You're very good at it. Yeah. People, people love eating, Corey, so it's a great arrangement. Yeah. <laughs> really just that's tops. fair yeah that's it fair. goes well together yeah if you haven't noticed i also uh, like at hyperfest enjoy jumping in and cooking sausages for everybody yeah. so cooking sausages just, is great it's an enjoyable experience mm -hmm. everybody loves the guy cooking sausages i was thinking about the that again uh i guess it was earlier today when we decided we were gonna do this doing the hyperfest thing where we've got multiple people in the paddock you know 
that are that are actually participating. Uh, so we could have a large group space down there would be would be fun. That was basically as far as the thought went. But yeah, yeah, I think we I think we talked about that uh, when you guys mm-hmm. had me before, and we were talking about how Hyperfest went this past time. Um, and yeah, I I'm liking the idea of that, and I'm starting to kick around the idea of driving during a Hyperfest, though they still seem a little too hectic to really enjoy the event but i think the advantage i would have there is that i i have access to vir fairly frequently which means if i really want to go there and work on lines and track times and all that stuff i'll i'll go a couple times a year probably and so to go again at hyperfest would just be like hey i also get to drive this track that i love while i'm here hanging and out with friends and you get to do it in front of like a ton of people which is kind of a it's a different vibe also mm. like if you mess up you're gonna have a lot of people that saw it what um yeah you described we it a little bit but how how are yeah. the facilities at uh new jersey excellent yeah excellent the, great. The, the pro shop was awesome uh <laughs> i bought this shirt uh <laughs> the viewers cannot see it but um the funny thing about this shirt, you may have noticed, Corey, that I had to move toward you so you could make out the track maps on the back. Uh, that is because this is a kid's extra large. <laughs> um, I really liked. I really liked the blue. Uh huh. And they only had it in long sleeve. They only oh, had it in long sleeve, and this long, was as we previously I mentioned one, and not, then i realized it was long sleeve this was, was like, not oh. a weekend for buying long sleeved shirts or even thinking about the fact that they exist we went through four, more than oh, 80 pounds of ice yes this weekend yeah they had like 40 pound bags oh that was no we like filled it up with 80 yeah on, well like, saturday we we bought i bought a 40 pound bag on saturday and then another 40 pound bag on sunday and i had already put like two or three or four six like seven or eight pound bags in it before that so it was between we the cooler so and, and the cool ice. shirt yeah the cool shirt cooler goes through ice real fast um but yeah uh this this shirt is you know, I I weighed my options and I decided I still wanted the blue one and I would try a kid's extra large because it looked like because the lady at the pro shop was like, well, if you usually wear an adult small or even medium, I'm wearing a kid's extra large shirt right now and it's the same. <laughs> so I picked one up and tried it on and it was in fact the same enough. Uh, but the problem is they have rescaled the graphics yeah. uh-huh. <laughs> to print the same way on a kid's small yeah. as they do on a kid's extra large, which I means was, the track maps on the back of the shirt are kind of like I was hilariously as to why they were so small. <laughs> it's because this is a kid's extra large It's shirt. like they're saving room for four more of them on the shirt. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Maybe. Maybe one day they'll build more tracks. I don't know. I mean, that'd be cool. So the, these tracks are totally independent of each other? Yeah, totally other opposite sides of the facility. Like, you can't even see them from each other. Interesting. They might, there might be, the airport might be in between them, kind of. Uh, it's, yeah, the, the, they sort of go around the corner of the airport property. So, like, on one end is Thunderbolt, and then on the other, like, diagonal 
on the other corner of the airport property is is lightning. Uh, it's like Summit Point has Shenandoah and Jefferson and Maine, and they are three fully independent tracks. Just and Washington on the same. Washington's like a big skid pad type area, and they have a cart track, and they have the like training just, facility track. Did they not just run the carts on Shenandoah? I don't think so. No. No, I've been there and run carts, albeit like 13 years ago or something, but it's a, no, it was definitely not Shenandoah. Okay. Different course. Yeah. Maybe they do now. I don't know. Shenandoah always struck me as as a upscaled go-kart track. The cart track we ran on when I was there definitely did not have like a banked carousel. So. That's fair. It wasn't Shenny carts are so much fun uh, yeah. but yeah new jersey um great great facility i think um the garages are really nice the tower like i say it's just super cool to have access to just go up on a building and see most of the track from one central point they um, were having uh like an engagement party or a wedding reception or something in one of the buildings uh oh, when cool. i was gonna go take a shower so like i walked in the front door holding my towel and my clothes and there's like people and like nicely dressed people going up and down the stairs and i'm just like <laughs> like walk into the bathroom where the showers are oh i did not hear this part yeah it was it was huh. weird <laughs> Yeah, and then if you're a fan of aviation, there's a, an airport literally next door, and you just watch small planes like take off and fly patterns and do touch and goes, and which was cool to me. That's pretty cool. Yeah. Um, only because you said mentioned aviation, there is some uh enormous aviation festival, I think out west somewhere. I don't actually know where it is. Oshkosh. Oshkosh, yes, Wisconsin. Are you familiar with this? Yeah, EAA runs it. So, is it as 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 I understand it? These are all privately owned. Like, it's just a big air show, and like, it's like it's it's like a a car show. It's a fly-in. Yeah, Yeah. it's a massive gathering for um, private pilots and aviation enthusiasts, and they do air show stuff throughout the weekend. But it's the largest like fly-in in the country. They hold it every year. Have you seen clips for this thing from this year? Yeah. I was losing my mind because have you seen those videos that people post about car shows where it's like, um, it'll be like the guy in the Ferrari that they only made this many of thought he was flexing on everybody until the Chiron shows up. You know what I mean? It's like, it's like these videos where they, they, and they progressively step it up. It was one of those except about Oshkosh. And it was like, I, I only remember the last two. I forget what the first two were. I think it was like a spitfire. That somebody like had restored or whatever, and then it was something else that was really cool. That's a flex. Yeah, right. Showing up in a restored Spitfire, and then they show a video of a dude landing in a U two spy plane. What on the on the runway? And you're Privately like, what owned, in the world? Like, and then the, and then there's here, no way. Here comes the world's only privately owned MiG twenty eight. Just like land, and you're like, ah. I was losing Holy my mind. Amazing. Yeah, there was an How do you have uh, a privately owned U2? There was I an F-16, know. I know, uh, that, that flew in this year. Yeah. Privately yeah, owned F-16. Not, I mean, I guess the U2... How do you own one privately, though? I mean, they yeah, just I don't disarm know. it, I guess. I mean, they do with a tank, but like... 
yeah, but like they're still in service. Like, like I thought you could secret. only. Yeah, I don't. I don't know, dude. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know that it was that the U two was privately owned. It like, was top secret. But it was there. seventy years but it, ago. But yeah. it was there. Like you, yeah. you know, and it was flexing on people. Yeah. Until the MIG showed up. Like, yeah. How do you have a? I don't know. It just whatever. Oshkosh is wild. If you've ever watched any of like uh, people arriving for that, like how they stack pl- incoming planes, and t- they have multiple planes landing on the same runway at the same time like they have different touchdown points because they're really long runways and most of these like small plane cessnas and stuff only need like 600 feet 500 feet to land and slow down and get off on a taxiway so like the first 800 feet is one and then there's a touchdown point for another and so they'll be vectoring in like three planes stacked that are coming down and landing on the runway at three different points at the same time it's Christ. it's kind of terrifying actually to watch because like everybody just needs to do it right pretty much like yeah. they can call you off if somebody in front of you really beefs it but like People ground loop, people, you know, break landing gear. Like, accidents happen when thousands of planes are landing at one airport over, like, a couple days. Freaking crazy, man. It's wild. I did not know there was a MiG-28 there, though. <laughs> that's, that's insanity. <laughs> or a U-2. Mind. Like, that's bonkers. The U-2 is, like, the really out-of-left-field one. Like, yeah. I thought you were going to tell me somebody showed up in an SR-71. No, that <laughs> There's like, th- come no on. way. I no. kept waiting no. for that video to happen. <laughs> but One of these but years. No, like, one I, of these years. That's the crazy thing. Not an A-10. What's the, what's the, the, the SR-71 F- precursor? I thought it was an A... Oh no, I don't a know. A something. I'm not sure. The A10 is the Warthog. Yeah, it's yeah, not the Warthog. They're the 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 pre SR71 SR71 is the A something. And it's not as fast, but it's way more maneuverable and apparently it's like the pilot's preferred hmm. one of the two. Even though the SR71 gets all the the accolades cuz it, it's fast as freaking head and it also flies a like, 12 on the close. edge of space yeah i think the a12 did too just not at mach 3 you were close the a12 ox cart yeah oh. it looks God, almost it looks almost identical that. yeah it's like it's like a slightly smaller more agile sr71 but they look almost exactly the same uh yeah. my dad used to work with the son of um General George Daly, who was an SR-71 pilot, like one of the leads in the program. I believe Dave Tolliver has the book autographed by him. Doesn't he? Doesn't he have the... That's by right. General Daly, yeah. yeah. Uh, my dad, uh, well, and I actually technically worked with his son, Nils Daly, um, for a summer. Because I worked at my dad's company when I was in high school or whatever. It's kind of cool. Um, he was theoretically going to get us like a behind the scenes type visit to the Udvar Hazi uh, Air and Space Museum in Dulles and then that never materialized for oh. me but would have been cool. That I have taken like the cool. normal tour there which is still awesome. Um if you're a fan of like aviation aerospace and stuff. Uh it's been many years though I should go back and see what they've got going on. I still on haven't been now. to the Science Museum to see the SR in the uh in the rotunda they have now. Oh no, you haven't seen it. Mm-mm. It's pretty dope. Yeah, because they they took the they had the one at the the museum by the Richmond Airport, 
they took it apart and put it, reassembled it just inside the science museum in Richmond. And there's an SR 71 inside the Whoa. science museum, like this in the hallway. Yeah. It's, it's like it hanging fits, from the ceiling. It almost. fits Amazing. with like yeah, inches pretty, to spare. It's pretty cool. Yeah. They, they, Wild. I think they disassembled it into like three big pieces and reassembled it in there. Yeah. Fascinating, crazy, fascinating plane. That um, the way the cone moves in and out of the engine to change where the and how the like the, where the air flow goes transonic so yeah. that it changes the efficiency it of the engine like, emits what? like balls of fire like out the out the exit of the engine when it's exhaust at certain frequencies. I remembered a thing I was going to talk about earlier. Oh, oh yes. here we go. You when we were talking about compound charging. Yes. Oh, yes. There is a YouTube channel called Tech Ingredients. I've talked about them before. Uh, it's this dude that I swear he has to have been a chemistry professor or something like that. Wicked smat guy, right? And his presentation is just like you could just put him in front of people and he could just talk for three hours about topic, right? And it's like he has no... uh exactly what i just did pausing and using blank words that like mean nothing he doesn't do that at all it's it's crazy anyways his his presentations are amazing uh and it's all like sciency stuff where they just like do experiments in their barn um and he has i mean he has like a lot of really cool gear he has like these big fiber lasers that they do experiments with like he's got a um anechoic chamber that he built himself to do like audio experiments he like built he has built speakers and like there's one one episode where he built a um or episode one video where he built a air conditioning like new air conditioning system to like cool it, it's it's wild it's so cool huh. it's so cool you gotta check it out nice one of the things that they built is a turbojet engine using a turbo a turbocharger right where they just have like a a canister on the side between the compressor and the exhaust that just they inject fuel into and it like burns fuel he's got a bunch of really cool videos about like how they designed the burn chamber and like talking about flame fronts and what kind of fuels they use and all this stuff uh he's got a bunch of videos about how they set up the system and what they use to build it and all this stuff he made it very modular so that they can compound charge their turbojet so he's gonna have two like he's gonna have a small turbo and a big turbo basically that is gonna be a turbojet and it's just it's like just to just to have fun nice. like it's just like him and his well and that's how i mean that's kind of how like actual turbojet engines work anyway because they have like multiple compressor stages right through right. the engine so he's just, yeah they're like, just all axial instead of being yeah individual so he's actually gonna feed it like like a compound turbo setup, only yeah. a compound turbo jet. Right, right. Um, and I'm of course, so excited. As, I think, as I think, you do. I think that video is coming soon. I'm Amazing. very excited about it. Kind of in a similar realm of discussion, uh, there was a recent, the most, I think it was the, one of the more recent Smoking Tire podcasts. They interviewed uh, Gordon Murray, the designer of the McLaren F1, for yeah. like an hour. Uh -huh which was one of the most fascinating interviews I've heard in quite some time. Um, apparently, when Mr. Murray was at uh, Brabham back in the 70s, they actually developed like 
carbon breaks and carbon monocoques like decades before anybody else and just didn't say anything because <laughs> they didn't they couldn't use them so they they just didn't like when mclaren developed the first carbon monocoque f1 car it's like yeah he he did that like 10 years beforehand <laughs> they had carbon like carbon breaks in the 70s like, that's crazy insane but one of the things that he was talking about was how they were so limited on budget um they needed to build an autoclave to make these big carbon parts um and to build one was like four times their annual budget total just to get one built so what he did was he basically found a company in the north of england that built uh boilers for ships and gave them like the space like the dimensions that he needed and like the 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 door like a pressure sealing door and they built it for like something stupid like 60 grand or something <laughs> like, like real cheap they made him this giant autoclave to forge carbon parts and in, in like the 80s and they still use that 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 autoclave is still in use by like formula three teams today that's pretty cool yeah it's pretty neat and they built and he talked about like how they had to build their own wind tunnel and that wind tunnel was in use until very recently until they outlawed the use of wind tunnels in formula three um they like built it out of like concrete and like sandwiching fiberglass pieces together and a giant fan and it, it worked Huh. amazing there's a lot of really fascinating videos on tech gradient videos on um material sciences as well uh he does a lot of cool uh stuff with composites when he built uh he built his own drone uh propellers cool. which is like really wild um he's got a, there's a whole series of videos about all sorts of stuff he uh and he's also built multiple boats and like skinned them with like fiberglass and stuff like that We've got all sorts of videos about like how to do cool stuff with like resins and different composites and dude, I'm telling you, it's just it's so cool. Just get on there and just scroll through the videos and like find something interesting. Down to watch. the rabbit hole. Yeah. He, he oh he's got a whole series. I'm sorry, he's got a whole series of videos about, of uh designing and building rocket motors, like solid rocket motors, and then he built like a hybrid rocket motor with liquid oxygen. Like it's it's. It's so cool. It's so cool. I don't know how any of these people have the time or like mental power. I I guess it's just it's something I must lack to like dedicate to uh gathering that much knowledge and then applying it and then continuing to do that with like a brand new subject. That's what I'm saying. Like he, 2 months later. Yeah. He he has to have been in my opinion. He has to have been some sort of college science professor because that's the only way I feel like you could gather just like the base knowledge that he has to do this and thing. exercise it frequently yeah, yeah. enough to then like call upon it and start developing yeah, all these yeah. things. And he is of an age that it seems like he has been retired or, you know, has retired now. So I, it's, it's really fascinating stuff. Um, speaking of YouTube, I want to get his channel right. Uh, is it stuff made here? Yes. Have you watched? Yes. Do you watch his stuff? Oh my god! Equally, like how, like he just explains this stuff. Like I just spent three months like coding this 
basketball hoop to move to the point in the room where it would catch my shot every time and like program like coding the you know the tracking systems for all of this stuff and then how the motors would work like the last one that he did on um the puzzle machine yeah that still isn't completely built yet but it's uh he built a robot to solve like five thousand piece jigsaw puzzles like all white pieces like so it will pick up move it to a camera scan the exact shape and then store it in like these little stacks and then it can call upon where each piece was and then like place it on the table right now all it can build is like a three by three but his goal is like a 5,000 piece. Like it's basically just code from there to scale it up. Like once he actually gets it all dialed, but the way he explained the belt drive system to move the head of this thing accurate, like incredibly accurately and quickly to an exact point repeatedly, only using two belts, but to have it move in every axis on this gantry it's just like where do you even begin to like just know that just know that one team like or that one fact like usually this takes a team of people like one guy happens to know that this belt system works to move this thing and then the other guy would know how to program and code it and the other guy would and this is just like a hobbyist dude in his basement warehouse just like knows all of it i I don't know, man. It blows me away, the capacity that these people have. And, and how cool it is, I think, that people just share that on YouTube. Just like yeah. put it up there. They're just yeah. like, I don't know. This is a thing that I did. I, th- I cool. thought it was cool. Yeah. I did it because it was fun. That's awesome. We need more of that. I agree. Well, that's our episodes, folks. Um, Beerandbackfire.com thanks to our sponsor steve um couldn't be with us tonight but we love him thanks Um, steve thanks to uh i still i I don't think i've sponsored a single thing about this podcast fine (laughs) but i love the credit and uh i'll probably feel know where that came i'll probably feel guilty forever i don't know i honestly i think i just said it one day like probably just said it and then it's it's like yeah yeah i'm I sponsored the program, I guess. I'm okay with it. Um, thanks to thanks to Pierce, I still have yet to ever record a program with Pierce. So one day, yeah, one day, one day. I'm looking forward to it. It always seems so fun to record with. Well, that's that. Thank thanks everyone for listening. Um, I don't know why I'm doing the outro. I'm the you're the sponsor. You, you can you do just, what you, you want. Just went I guess for it, I, I guess that's true. I just feel like you know someone should thank the people. The, the someone should thank my wife should thank for your listening. Wife. I was about to say, <laughs> I'm the real sponsor of the podcast, yeah, Erica. Our, somebody should definitely thank all our listener. best listener. <laughs> <laughs> I think Brian Sutton listens. Um, and so my, does uh, David LaMountain listens. Too. Yeah, there you go. My, my brother, at least my three. brother listens. Hey, four. We're stacking them up. We've got as many listeners as hosts now. Hey. We we got a we got quite a few likes on the last Instagram post. That made me feel pretty good. Hey, you know? all right. So yeah, oh, um, that was fun. New Jersey was ridiculous. Um, yeah, it was a heck of an adventure. But I don't know when I'm going to really get back. But 
not soon enough because it was yeah. really fun. Yeah, I let's go back to that track. So yeah. is uh, VIR in October the next? For me, yeah, that's that's the next and last one for the year, I think. I might look at what's going on in September, but that's probably the next one for me as well. I have some some work to do. And then I think I'll do uh, Summit in November, just wrap up the season. So if I only do those two, I would love to add one more unique track this year. I, wanna do, I wanted to do NC Car this year, uh, but I, that didn't happen. I think I mentioned it before. I aspirationally bought a few track stickers during the off season last year. And I was like, these are tracks I want to get to next year. Uh, Road Atlanta, of course, uh, unfortunately, I got COVID, had to cancel my trip. I had paid for a track weekend at Road Atlanta this year and didn't get to go. NC Car was one of them. And then I bought uh, track map stickers for Thunderbolt and Lightning at New Jersey just because I didn't know which layout I might go there and run. I want to do um, Shenandoah too. I haven't done Shenandoah yeah, yet. Yeah, I've heard it's extremely, extremely fun. Especially in low power cars is what I hear. Which is uh, a... Hey. Hey, bada boom. 130 horsepower is... No uh, joke. No joke. I was gonna, I was gonna throw something else out there, but I think that's a better line to <laughs> <It's> the one. <laughs> yep. Well, good night, everybody. 